1: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy.
2: the poster said.
1: See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking.
2: Yeah. Okay. Yes.
1: <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read at
3: PG 13. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at RingCentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications.
2: Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And... We're still here.
3: This episode of No Credentials Required is brought to you by Invader Coffee. For the coffee lover who wants good, quality coffee with no bullshit and no filler, Invader Coffee is an ultra-premium, veteran-owned coffee company proudly delivering only the best coffee your hard-earned money can buy. They aim to only serve the highest quality organic, air-roasted coffee beans sourced from free trade farms all over the world. They keep things simple. The best coffee at an affordable price in order to provide you with the value you deserve for your morning boost 100% fair trade 100% organic coffee beans 100% air roasted 100% money back guarantee visit invadercoffee.com and our promo code bellyup at checkout and receive 15% off your order <laughs> This is No Credentials Required, powered by Belly Up Sports and a part of the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Corey Mansfield and Ryan McCarthy. Hello and welcome to episode 17 of No Credentials Required. We are powered by Belly Up Sports and a part of the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. This week we are honored to have on guest Colin Taylor. Colin played for nine seasons in the Arena Football League and currently runs a fitness center in Ohio. He's also been in the film industry for a decade and will appear in the new Disney Plus movie based on a true story, Safety, which comes out this Friday. He was able to spend some time with Corey and I. We talked about his football career, how he got into the film industry, and we also had a little bit of fun with him at the end. So we hope you enjoy listening to this interview as much as we got to talk with Colin. Again, here's the interview with Colin Taylor. You're listening to No Credentials Required. Hello, everyone. Welcome to No Credentials Credentials Required. It's powered by Belly Up Sports and a part of the Belly Up Sports podcast network. On with me is my co-host, Corey, Corey Mansfield. Corey, how are we doing today? Doing good. Doing good. All right. And also with us is our friend, formerly of the Albany Empire, now living in Cleveland, doing some training stuff and uh, just being out in the world, Colin Taylor. Colin, how are you doing today, bud? Ryan, Ryan,
0: I'm doing great, man. Ryan, Corey, thank you guys for having me. Great seeing you all. I'm excited excited to catch up with you guys. It's been too long. Yeah,
3: absolutely, man. All right. So let's start from the beginning. Uh, You're an IU grad. Uh, Obviously, obviously IU's doing pretty darn good this year uh, after... Uh, After some uh, bumps in the road, but getting back to college football prominence, I guess (laughs) (laughs)
0: you could say that. Yeah.
3: So let's talk about your career in football, uh, arena football. First of all, Uh, I looked at your arena fan stats. Uh, I want to give a shout to Tim Capper because of his uh, expertise and knowledge as being the the guy for Albany for arena football. I was going through your through your history here. Uh, you started in arena football in 2010 in Tulsa from my understanding. How did you get connected with arena football?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Um you know, first of all shout out Indiana Hoosiers, right? Playing playing great top <laughs> 10 first time, you know, in my life they've been there. It's funny because before this year nobody cared I played at Indiana. And now all of a sudden they're playing really well and every time I go somewhere it's oh yeah, he was an Indiana Hoosier. <laughs> so, it's good, you know, to to hear that and, and talk about the good days uh, you know, playing safety at IU, but I actually had kind of a wild, kind of a wild ride. Um, really, the last decade has been wild for me. But um, I had a game on on ESPN, and again, at the time, I, I'm not sure how much of this I could have said, but I feel comfortable a decade later saying it. Um, we played a game on ESPN my senior year um, against Iowa. They were ranked number four in the nation. They were undefeated at the time, um, and I had. Uh, I had two interceptions um, to start the game and a forced fumble, all in the first half. And so, um, I, I, you know, I had a really good game in front of a lot of people. Um, fortunately, the game didn't go how we wanted it. But after the game, I actually had a, a voicemail from a, from an Arena Football GM. And this was, I mean, back in back in the days, and it was the old uh, Milwaukee Mustangs um, yeah. kind of organization. And they reached out to me and said, "Hey, man, loved what you did on the field. Um, you know, if the NFL stuff doesn't work out, are you interested in?" in the arena football league. And I kind of, I grew up watching it. I remember seeing it on TV on ESPN. And I remember my mom specifically saying, Hey, when you grow up, I want you to play arena football so I can meet John Bon Jovi (laughs) who who at the time was the, was the uh, Philadelphia sole owner. I said, yeah, mom, no problem. You know what I mean? Whatever that was, 95, 96, whenever that was, I was watching those games. So that was funny kind of full circle, you know? Um, I, I got to do that a decade later or so. And so I linked up with that coach. Um, he and I were in touch for a little bit. I ended up um, eventually going out to um, a training camp in Oklahoma City. I made a team in Oklahoma City. I was there for a little bit and then kind of went just down the street to Tulsa and finished my mm-hmm. first season in, in Tulsa in 2010. Um, came back in 11, didn't get an opportunity. I only played in one, two games that year. Um, only mm-hmm. played in two games, so I didn't really get you know a, a ton of love, and I didn't get an opportunity to get into a training camp. So I ended up in the IFL out in Philadelphia in 2011, uh, which was just at the time a little lower league. Um, still a lot of good a lot of good football players, but not the same same type of caliber as the AFL. Right. Um, right ended up being being receiver of the year out there in 2011. And then that got myself into a camp in 2012 in Iowa. And then, you know, a couple years in Iowa, a couple great years in Cleveland, and then, you know, finished out here the last two years in, in Albany where, where we met. So it was a wild ride from 2010. Um, you know, we could have a whole podcast on that journey because I learned so much about <laughs> myself, uh, you know, it, during that time. Um, and I'm just happy that I, I stayed with it. And, and stayed persistent um, and continued to kind of chase my dream, you know, of playing professional football and got the opportunity to do that. And, you know, now we're sitting here decade later, two, two world championships, um, you know, most recently that, that one in 2019 in Albany, which is something I'll, I'll never forget. Um, and arena football has given me the opportunity to, you know, meet guys like you and have conversations like this, um, you know, and hopefully get the opportunity to inspire some people who have some dreams that they want to go chase.
2: Did you ever meet John Bon Jovi or your mom?
0: <laughs> Unfortunately, not. You know, by the by the time I got there, um, Ron Jaworski was there, and, I, and and Ron's a great guy. We've we've had a, uh, you know a ton of conversations. Um, so John was a great guy. I I didn't didn't get to introduce mom to John Bon Jovi. Um, so that's unfortunate. But I, I imagine she forgives me by now for that.
3: <laughs> so talk about that. Let's talk about that. You're in Cleveland because you, you go from mm-hmm. Iowa. You go to Cleveland. That's when things started to kind of take off for your for your arena football career. Uh, Eighty receptions in 2014. That was a really that's a really big year for the Gladiators. Yeah. You go 17 and one. You go to the Arena Bowl, uh, missed out on a title. Yeah. Uh, but then 144 receptions the next year, and then I think it was 117 the, follow- the year after that. Tell us about your time in Cleveland a little bit. What that made you that kind of you kind of blo- it exploded. Your career kind of expl- it, took off from there and just. It, what what motivated you? What drove you to, to have those big, big stats?
0: Yeah. So in 2012, I started playing in Iowa. Um, I was the third receiver, fourth receiver, kind of bounced back and forth. I was in an offense where I I didn't have much to do. I kind of was running hitches on the wall. I was playing special teams. You know, I was doing everything um, that I felt I could do to, to benefit the team. But I knew I had more of an upside to it. Um, 2014, I was recruited by coach Ron Sileski, who was a defensive coordinator out there. Um, still to this day, a very, very close friend of mine. Um, and a guy I owe a lot to in my career. And he, he really pushed to get me out in Cleveland in 2013. Um, you know, I had, I had some, some really close friends, some family out there in Iowa and in 13. So I stayed out there, but 14, I just wanted to change. Um, hmm. I saw Cleveland was recruiting some really good football players. You know, they had some receivers there, um, guys like, uh, Tyron Lewis, and uh, Dominic Goodman, some guys who I knew had done some really good things in the league at the time and, and just guys who would give me a really good opportunity to learn from. Um, so I went out there in, 2000, in 2014 and I got on a team of guys who had all lost before, right? Guys who had been mm-hmm. backups, guys who had been on the bench. Um, you know, our starting quarterback, Shane Austin, was, was a guy who, you know, still today is uh, one of my best friends, but was a guy who was you know, third third, and second string his whole career in college at Hawaii. And then he came to the Arena Football League and was second string and never got the opportunity and finally got an opportunity in, in Cleveland. And he and I kind of just hit it off there early in training camp. Um, and you could tell that there was something special because, again, it was just one of those locker rooms where nobody was ever a winner. Nobody was ever, uh, you know, uh, you know, w- went and, and played big-time football in college. Nobody um, really came with any stats or, or, or came with any um, – you know, personality that you would think would be that would come in there and, and be the guy. And so we were mm-hmm. just again just a bunch of bunch of losers who who Coach Tun put together. And mm-hmm. we played with a huge chip on our shoulder the whole season. Um we like you mentioned went went uh, 17 and one, which at the time was the best record ever in arena football. And you know we just had that kind of mentality of going one and zero. And you hear it all the time now. You know, it's I think it's kind of it kind of overplayed now. Um, but it really it really stuck with us. It really meant something. Um, and that team again, not only were we a bunch of guys who lost, but we were a bunch of guys who who loved the process. You know, who loved practice, who loved the film room. Which, you know, you ask you ask all these. You know, a lot of football players and and nobody enjoys practice. Nobody wants to be there at six in the morning in the ice tub and, you know, doing things like that and rehabbing just, you know, just to just to feel better to practice. I mean, nobody ever wants to do that. You know, everybody wants to go out there and play in the game. But we were a group of guys who really loved to practice, who really pushed each other, who really uh, fought for a common goal. And. I learned a ton from my head coach, uh, Coach Steve Tun. Um, he was the guy who was the coach who, who, who really gave me the opportunity. You know, I went there in training camp and he said to me, he said, you know, you've played for coaches who didn't really believe in you. He said, I'm just going to let you play, um, you know, and if you're if you're good enough, you'll stick. If, if not, you know, this ain't for you. And, and that's all I ever wanted. I just wanted the opportunity. Um, so halfway through the season, kind of worked my way into a starting role and then never looked back. You know, it was one of those conversations that I had as soon as the guy in front of me got injured, um, I went off to the sideline and our backup quarterback was there again, another one of my best friends. He said, hey, he said, you ready?
3: When well, Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it, Ooh, hold up. Just got a new sale, order fulfilled and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level
2: This is possibility powered by Shopify. Start selling online today.
3: Sign up for a free trial at Shopify.com slash free twenty-two. Shopify.com
2: slash free twenty-two. Shopify.com slash free twenty-two. Internet
0: connection required, not available on mountaintops or seafloors. And I said, bro, ready. I said, this is what I've this is what I've trained for my entire life. You know what I mean? This opportunity to, to start on a professional football team. And um, really just ran with it. And you know, again, it just like kind of kind of lit a fire in me um, that as soon as I played and and, and caught that first touchdown in front of those Cleveland fans, just to see how they responded. It was something that um, something that I'll never forget. I remember looking up and, and, you know, seeing my mom and my my dad, my sister and brother-in-law and niece and nephew and everybody's up there cheering for me. And I remember thinking, this is a feeling that, that, you know, I never want to forget. And um, just from there, I kind of, kind of just became, you know, the the go-to guy out there in Cleveland for the next three or four years. Um, And again, just always went into the season with a chip on my shoulder, I always went in, wanted to prove people wrong. Um, but I also went in with a ton of gratitude, you know, knowing that I was in a position that a lot of people wanted to be in and didn't get the opportunity to, and I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna let that slip away by being dumb or not focusing on, on what I was trying to do. And, you know, so I, I always did what I had to do off the field um, and, and s- had a lot of success on the field because of that. Um, and so it's something that I've just learned about myself. And now I take that kind of into my everyday life as a, as a strength and conditioning coach and hopefully I'm able to spread that knowledge uh, to kids who were in, you know, similar positions I was coming out of coming out of high school and, and college. Yeah.
3: Ah. So after Cleveland, Cleveland puts the, the, the gladiators on a hiatus. What, and you, and you get, well, not drafted, I guess, but you could say you were assigned to Albany. Yeah.
0: Yeah. What,
3: what was the, what was the expectation going from Cleveland to Albany? What was that like? Was that Colin of- real quick. What
0: did you, what did you think about Albany? When they said Albany, what did you yeah. say? <laughs> uh, that's that's a, that's a really good question. Um, you know, thinking about it now, I know I know so much. I was just ignorant to what you know what I mean. The, the the capital region was, and I guess I remember thinking I heard Albany. I was like, oh, dope, New York City. You know what I mean. Like, <laughs> the big apple. Like it's all good. You're right. And I had some conversation. My dad's like, dude, you know, that's not, you know what I mean? That's, that's not New York city. Um, uh, you know, so dad, da, dad, got out the old Atlas and kind of pointed to it and showed me. And I said, I, okay, yeah, that made, that makes sense. Um, but you know, it, it was just, I had played in Des Moines, Iowa. I played in Oklahoma city, Oklahoma. Um, I played in Redding, Pennsylvania, you know? So to me, it was just a, an opportunity to play football. And that's really all I, all I saw it as, um, I was very close to not even going. I mean, it was one of those things where I was at the at the point in my career. I finished my fourth season in Cleveland, finished on a on a really high note. Not a championship, but you know, I had done everything individually that I set out to do, um, and I felt really good about where I was at in my career. Um, coach Keefe and Coach Moss landed those positions out there as the head and head coach and the assistant coach, and and they called me the first day of free agency after that after that um, 17 season that Cleveland shut down. And they said, hey, we want you to come out here and play in Albany. You know, we, you've, you've played against us for years. We've always appreciated your game. And uh, I told them I was good. You know, I said I, I appreciated them, them reaching out, but I was fine. I was in a position with, with the training that I had, you know, committed to a lot of different athletes, a lot of, a lot of adults, um, a lot of adult members as well who I, who I just really felt bad um, bailing on them. You know, I, I'd committed time to them and, and hours in the gym and trying to help them towards their goals, and I was kind of past the, the point of playing football. Um, and then, you know, weeks later, get another call from, from coach Keith. Hey man, still really interested. Let us know. I said, I'm good, you know, but (laughs) as we now know, I mean, coach Keith is persistent and coach Keith usually ends up getting what he wants. And, um, I got to the point where I kind of had those conversations with all my athletes. I had the conversations with, with the adult members I was working with. I I had a conversation obviously with, with my boss and, and most importantly, my family. And I, you know, I asked, is this something that you guys would support, you know, me going out to New York and. Um, they, they were all for it. You know, my, my, my mom loves watching her son play football. And that's something that, again, I, I'll always remember, um, you know, her telling me things like that. And so I said, all right, well, we'll, we'll, give it, give this thing a shot. And then, um, as I was going through that whole process, I remember every day I'd, I'd go to the waiver wire and see, you know, Albany empire, pick up Terrence Moore, right. Alb- Albany empire, pick up Varmasoni, Mario Norman, Tommy Grady. Uh, Joe Hills. I mean, all these guys, Malachi Jones, who I was a big fan of at the time, um, just watching him kind of come up. Um, I didn't know him at the time, but I had, I had followed him for a while. And I was like, and I remember thinking like, this is probably the best team I'd ever seen. I'd ever seen put on paper. Um, and I, and I showed up, I showed up to training camp and, you know, just uh, Tommy Grady and I played together in 2010 in Oklahoma city. So it was good to see him again, catch up with some of the guys from Cleveland that I played ball with. And um, you know, the first time I met coach Keefe, not being an opponent of his, I, you know, I kind of fell in love. I mean, he's a guy that every, every player wants to play for. Um, You hate playing against him. You love playing for him. And so he was the one who really like brought that fire back into me uh, to, you know, to, to really then pursue not only, you know, personal accomplishments, but, but, the thing that I had not been able to do yet in in professional in the professional ranks in the Arena Football League, and that was to win a championship, um, and that was their goal, and they had the team that was able to do that, and then you know we obviously know unfortunately how that how that ended in that 2018 season, but um, mm-hmm. I remember finishing that 18 season and saying all right, I'm as as done as I thought I felt as I thought I was in 17 is the complete opposite of that. I'm so ready to go into this off season and come back a better player an athlete, and athlete. And I think I did that. And then eventually, you know, that, uh, August 11, 2019, right. One of the, one of the best days of my life, never forget it. We, we ended up finally winning that championship. And, you know, I, I won arena bowl 32 with some of my best friends, um, you know, guys who I talk to every day still to this day. Um, and, it, and just have so many great memories of, of the time we spent in Albany, um, you know, and, and, and playing in front of the best, the best fans by far. I mean the best fans and, and the best people in the league.
3: Now I just want to ask crowd noise wise, Cleveland. I watched I watched a couple of games back in the twenty fourteen yeah. season. It was loud. Quicken Quick Loans Arena, it was loud. Times Union Center, it got loud in there. Which one yeah. was louder?
0: <laughs> yeah. So you know you you look at the numbers, right? Uh, Arena Bowl two thousand fourteen. We sold out. We sold out uh, the queue at nineteen thousand people. You know, and that's something that it is. It, it, People people, um, people, cheer and people scream, and it's just you don't hear anything. It's You're just deaf the whole time, right? Um, <laughs> had a really similar feeling that first game in 2018 running out of the field um, in Albany. Um, you know, sold out again. I think it was 12,000, 13,000, but they are loud, and they're rowdy, and they're rambunctious, and, and they love their arena football. Um, so I, I, when people ask me about Albany, I would always compare it to Cleveland uh, because people knew that you know that that field and that turf and those walls would shake in Cleveland. You know on, on fourth down when opponents were when opponents were driving and trying to get in the end zone, um, just because because you know the fan support and everybody getting on their feet and and smacking the big balloons together and all that. And I had the same same vibe when I was when I was at Albany. So I was so lucky to play for two organizations who who not only love their football that that loved their fans and and had yeah, had the 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 best fans in the league both both at the time that, that they were both running. If that's maybe the PC answer, you know what I mean. If that's if that's what I'm supposed to say <laughs> on this show,
3: Court uh, uh, Colin, you don't have to be. You don't have to be PC. you can You're be right, a, right, you right. Are, I appreciate that.
0: I appreciate that. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I mean, I truly love both both cities. You know, I've got family and friends um, in in both both cities now, and spend will spend a ton of time. Um, you know, going going back and forth between the two.
3: Now, as Including your football career, you, you also kind of got into, you got you got into. Me, the movie industry. I guess you could say. How yeah. Did you, and doing stuff. You mentioned. I think you mentioned you did some stuff. You're doing a lot of stunts. How'd you get? How'd you fall back into? How'd you fall into that?
0: Yeah, Ryan. It was exactly that. Um, I kind of just fell into it after the 2011 season. Um, I remember one of my best friends, and I, I always have to shout him out when when this question comes up because if it weren't for him. I don't believe I would, be, I would be in it at all and get some of the opportunities that I've got. So uh, one of my best friends, Chase, reached out to me and he had found online uh, an open casting call for movie extras for a – and it was, quote, um, a blockbuster movie sequel is what it was. And they said, you know, we're looking for um, athletes from the age of this and this, height of this and this, look this certain way to this certain way, um, have this – type of experience, um, you know, high level college professional experience. I mean, all these things that it was just, it was all right. CT checks the box, CT checks the box, checks the box. He sends me this. He said, Hey man, you got, he said, you got to sign up for this. This is, this is too much like you to, to turn it down. And I was busy at the time. I said, all right, man, I'll get to it. Um, days later reached out to me again. Hey, did you fill that out? No, I'll get to it. Days later, did you fill that? Out? No, I'll get to it. Finally, almost, almost just to To keep him off my back, I said, all right, man, let me do it. You know, it took about (laughs) – took 20, 30 minutes, whatever, filled it out through some some pictures, through some videos, highlights and stuff in there. And uh, a couple weeks later, I got a call from uh, a lady with with a company called Game Changing Films. And she was asking – she had mentioned that they had taken my profile out of um, something like 20,000 applicants – um they'd found mine and I checked all the boxes and and they wanted me to come out and be a part of this film but they weren't willing to tell us what it was they couldn't they couldn't tell us what it was at, at the time. Um so I accepted it. Again, this is 2011 after my IFL season and it ended up being uh the sequel to The Dark Knight and it was The Dark Knight Rises. So it was, you know, the sequel wow. to what is currently which is my favorite movie of all time, The Dark Knight. Um and so, just to be a part of the franchise, that Batman franchise, that Christopher Nolan Batman franchise was so cool. So, I did stunts in that film. So I'm basically running down on the field, getting blown up. Um, and if anybody's seen that that movie, they know the they yep. know that scene. And yep, that scene. Uh, it's so cool, such such a cool thing to be a part of. And then from there, um, I actually had had the what we call kind of our choreographers, right? It's really as opposed to football, it's more of a dance, right? It's got to be perfect. You got to hit your marks. Right. You got to be in front of the camera. Um, you got to look the exact same, even if you shoot it over 12 days. Right. And so, so he came up to me and said, Hey man, I, I you know, I, lo- I love, your skill set. I love your look, you know, we'll be in touch if anything else comes up. And, and it was, you know, the next about eight, eight years after that, um, I would finish my football season. I would get a call from these guys and I would, that next season I went out to, uh, New Orleans and shot focus with Will Smith and Margot Robbie. Um, next year I went out to out to LA and shot ballers with, with, um, Throck. Uh, we went to Atlanta and shot a film called Woodlawn. We shot the game, which is a BET TV show. Um, and then it had just been kind of, kind of rolling. And it most recently finished, um, last, last year after the, after the arena bowl went out to Atlanta and was a part of, um, a movie, a movie coming out on Disney plus on Friday, December the 11th called safety. Um, and that was one of the films where I was strictly there for the stunts which was cool um because you know you you always need guys to kind of fill the fill the sideline you need guys who can run down down the field and do certain things and be in the background but in this one i was a really big part of it um you can see me in the trailer a couple different times doing some doing some hits and some catches and kind of jumping around and flying across the screen and do all doing all this cool stuff so i'm really excited to see that
3: so, so you're not as so much as stuntman, but you're a stunt athlete. Is that kind of what you're? Uh, you can. you would want to be called?
0: Yes, that that's a really good way to put it. Um, and I, you know, I've talked to some of the guys who actually do. You know, the jumping out of the cars, the driving of the cars, the vegan explosions, yeah. and that's kind of the next level of you know stunt training. So those guys go to school for that, and that they do that full time. Um, I was never in a position to be able to do that. You know, with with the football stuff, and I was always you know considerate of my my career and my um, you know how I felt physically, and I still always wanted to be able to do that. And so, um, with with them catching me at post post seasons, I'm usually in pretty good pretty good football shape and be able to be able to keep up with with everybody there. And it's it's funny now because the casting calls go out and they say, hey, we're looking for you know uh, male athletes, 21 to 25, um, who have football experience. And then I see that and I get a phone call the next day that says, hey, CT, we need you to come out and do stunts for this film. And I I say, you know, I'm a couple years ago was, hey, I'm 30. You know what I mean? I'm 30 and have tattoos. Is that okay? Yeah, of course that's okay. And now, you know, I was gonna say, is that was was
3: the tattoos a prerequisite too? Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, so the tattoos has been funny. You know, kind of depending on the film, I've got a if if it's a if it's a period piece, if it's if it's supposed to be at a certain time of the year, if it's supposed to be um, if it's supposed to be a certain decade, right? Athletes didn't have tattoos, or athletes, you know, uh, or if I I played a high school athlete um, a couple years ago on a film called Woodlawn, I had to tape my whole arm with athletic tape. So it looked like I had a broken arm. So there's uh-huh. a guy who does a ton of these stunts in that film, catching touchdown passes and, and big hits and running into the Gatorade and the Gatorade thing exploding with, with his arm completely taped. And it, I mean, it's funny cause you know, it kind of fits the time. It kind of fits the 1970s high school football, right. Um, where you would just have badass guys breaking their arm and running out and, and going in the next play. Um, mm-hmm. So i I have had to cover them all up every time. Um, but that's how I know I'll, I'll really make it when, when they tell me that I can show my tattoos on, on the big screen, but, uh, have not been able to do it yet, but that hasn't stopped me from, from getting more, uh, obviously. All right. So, um, oh yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's been good. Uh, so yeah, Friday, December 11th, that'll, that'll be out. So every, everybody with Disney plus should check that out. That's going to be really good, really good film.
3: So, can you can you talk about what that story is all about? Uh, that that movie is all about. I, I know a little bit of the background of what the the movie is about with yeah. uh, with the with the with the, uh, uh, the gentleman from went to. Clemson and had to take, a, take care of his little brother, uh, I guess, against the rules, I guess. But
0: Yeah, it's su- I mean, such a heartfelt story. And I, I didn't get to I didn't know a ton of it when I went out there to do it. But then Ray, actually, who the, the main character is based on Ray, Mick Etherby is his last name. He's played by mm. um, Jay Reeves, who's, who's a really talented up and up and coming kid um, in the business. But Ray was on set the whole time. Um, and there were a couple of times we would shoot different scenes and, you know, everybody would would kind of take a knee and he'd go up there and just talk us through the process, talk about where he was at mentally, what was going on in his life. And basically his um, his family grew up uh, not in a great area of Atlanta, I believe. And uh, he went off to college and got the opportunity to, to play college football and get a scholarship to go out to Clemson. And um, things were not great at home. And it was just him, him and his brother and his and his mother at home and things were not very good. So um, and, and again, this is all you can see a little bit of, of this in the trailer. But basically, his little brother ends up coming out to stay with him in Clemson um, at Clemson. And it becomes a pretty big story. In, in 2005, I remember I was playing football at the time um, at Indiana. And and what happened was Ray was taking care of his son. I'm sorry, his little brother and his little brother almost became a mascot for the team. Um, so he oh, was wow. at all the events. He was, you know, at all the at all the games, he would run out on the field. Um, and so a lot of people started to donate food and donate money to Ray and his family because they were so inspired by the by the story. Well, basically, the NCAA came down and said, you're not able to take money from people because you would lose your um, amateur status, uh, yeah. which, you know, which which makes sense. So um, Ray was then forced you know, to choose between playing football and pursuing his dream, or taking care of taking care of his little brother, and so that's where kind of the the story takes off, right? Is, is we see that um, you know his brother comes out and stays with him. We see that that Ray also not only is dealing with doing that, you know, basically being the father figure in, in his in um, in his brother's life, but he's also playing big time college football, um, and he's and he's forced into some tough positions on the field as as a really young player where. Um, You know, you've got to be all there mentally. And because he's doing so much with with not only taking care of his brother but also school – that um, you know he had some trouble doing some things that he needed to do on the field, but uh, it, it super heartwarming. Uh, again, Ray Ray was an incredible guy. We met a lot of we met him and a lot of his family members on set, um, and uh, there were a lot of there were a lot of awesome awesome football scenes we did. We actually we shot an entire scene at halftime of a Clemson game. Uh, oh, wow! Which hasn't been done in years, but we had four and a half minutes to yeah, shoot, yeah, yeah. and in Hollywood, time is money, right? So this was. It was it was four minutes and thirty seconds. Get on the field, get off. They were playing again, they were playing a football game, so we didn't have time to mess around. If there was one thing that went wrong, we weren't able to rewind and do it again. Um, but it's a really cool scene where, you know, they run down, Clemson runs down from the rock and then, you know, kick the ball off and Ray runs on the field and makes a tackle. I mean, it was it was so cool, but it took it took two and a half weeks of, of training. For a four and a half minute shot just to get all the cameramen in the right spot to get the athletes in the right spot to get the ball kicked to the right spot. I mean, there's a lot of moving parts, uh, but it was so cool to be able to do that just to like be, be there in Death Valley, you know, and look up and see these real Clemson fans. Um, and they were all there. They also knew we were shooting a film, so they were all there. It was a sellout, and they they whoever they were playing, they were up at halftime. The actual Clemson team, not the Hollywood Clemson team. Um, <laughs> they were up at halftime, like 40 something to to nothing. So people could have left anyway, but they didn't. They stayed to watch us shoot the shoot the film, and then everybody left it. Everybody left at halftime. Um, but that was so cool, and and you know that's something that I haven't gotten to experience, um, you know, in, in the industry. And so it's like every every it seems like everything I do it gets cooler and cooler and i meet meet cooler people um a couple of years ago i accidentally drank will smith's coffee you know it's things like that that happen you would that you would never expect um would happen when you get out there and, and and you you know you get the call to do these films but it just it, it keeps me going it keeps me inspired it keeps pushing me um to to you know like get out of my comfort zone and do some cool stuff like that so i've been able to experience a lot of that and you know hopefully more of that continues to come as as all the as all the you know virus stuff starts to slow down
2: Gore, you got anything? Any more questions for uh, for Colin? No, Colin. What did you take away from um, being in Albany? I mean, you said that you had uh, great fans, great experiences. Um, you know, when you heard that Albany was going to lose the team a few, a couple years ago, um, and they eventually did. Now, actually, they're coming back. Mm-hmm. How did you feel? Did you feel because you were there from the beginning? How did you feel when you when you heard about that? This is possibility powered by Shopify start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com
3: slash free 22 shopify.com slash free 22.
0: Yeah, Corey, I was crushed, man. It, um, there haven't been a lot of times, you know, in, in my career that I've looked that I'll look back on and, you know, re- regret. And that's not something that, that's not something that I obviously regret, um, because I wasn't the one who made the decision, but it it was just one of those really painful moments, um, that I had to do a lot of reflecting on to, to realize, you know, the, you always see the quote, what, don't be sad, it's over, be happy it happened or whatever that was, um, that didn't mean anything to me at the time. I just thought, well, it's so stupid. What are they doing? We've got the best fans. We've got these people who care about us. We, you know what I mean? We, we, the, the city's giving back to us. We just won this championship, you know, and then that happened. Um, and I was crushed, but, uh, immediately I just felt the, the first pain I felt was for, for the fans, um, and for the people who were involved because they had become my family the last, uh, the last couple of years in Albany, um, and and they had such a huge part of my life, um, you know, a, a hard, a huge part of my career um, as a football player. Kind of, you know, towards the end, and building these relationships with some of the players who, again, will be guys who will be in my wedding, um, who I didn't know before I got out there to Albany, um, and and just gave me the opportunity to 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 play big time football for two more years, and and to to complete what I wanted to as a player. Um, even with all that, again, it was like the first thing I thought about was I was I felt bad for for people involved because I know how much the fans loved lo- loved their Albany Empire football. I know how much we loved the fans. I know you know what it meant to the city and what it what it meant to to people who I now call my family out there. So I felt I felt bad about it. Um, but I felt you know the the positive thing was we went out and can nobody take away what we did. In that 2019 season, and and in, in, in Arena Bowl 32, um, no matter what they decide to do, and, and thank God they decided to come back. But at the time, it was in in our minds. No matter what they decide to do, they they can't ever take that from us. They can't ever take that memory from us. They can't ever take the feeling of, you know, when I running out on the field and seeing that confetti come down and everybody run down on the field and give you hugs and high fives and people you've never seen before. You know what I mean? hugging you in tears because they were so excited about what happened. Um, that's something that, you know, no, no league, no franchise shutting down um, can, can ever take away from you. So I was, I was happy that we gave Albany the best, the best football we possibly could um, in that last season that they had. Um, so, you know, the, the next team that comes, it has some pretty high standards, uh, you know, so best of luck to them and, and hopefully they can meet some of those, but um uh, again, uh, Albany will always have a have a big big spot in my heart, um, and and it's it's all, always have great memories from being there.
3: Now, I know time is precious for you, Colin, because you got to take off to uh, to an appointment at five forty five. We got we're, our time is running down, but uh, I have a mutual friend of ours who wanted to ask you a question about uh, conspiracy theories. I know you're 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 kind of a big uh, conspiracy theory guy. You like to go on on those rabbit holes. Yeah, ask me yeah. about the. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the story about the monolith in Utah that that disappeared and then somehow reappeared in Romania and all these uh, what, what's your theory about the monolith is it is it as a
0: what's 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 that all about? Okay, what do you think that's, about that <laughs> That's hilarious. That's I love I love those guys. You know, I I and I don't know if we're going <laughs> to we're going to say who 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 Gave us the question, um, but, you know. I'll say, it's, I'll it's,
3: say it was Jeff LeVac from okay, 104.5. Okay, so I'll, yeah, I'll I was going to say,
0: you know, <laughs> every time we go on there, we play BS or CT, you know, and it's yep. one of those things where, like, is this stuff made up or, like, could there be some legitimacy to this? Um, and the best thing about it is that they always come up with these things that I never even heard about before, like things that haven't even gotten <laughs> to my radar. Obviously, when it comes to, you know, you talk about conspiracies and things like that, There's, there's – major things going on right now that everybody is, you're either on the side of that, you know, science or conspiracy, whatever that is, you know, and so that mm-hmm. stuff that we won't, we, we won't even talk about, but like that has been on my radar so much that I haven't even gotten the opportunity to see what that is and, and kind of the information about that. Um, I will tell you that as I continue to hear these things, nothing, nothing will ever blow my mind to the fact that, it could be fake or it could be real, nice. right? It's like I've, I've looked into this stuff so much that when I was kind of close-minded to it all, I thought, no, there's no way. You know, this, this could never be a thing. And, and we, we – um, Albany fans know Quentin Sims. And Q was the first one really in, in 2015 that I heard him talking about the whole flat earth. <laughs> the, the flatter thing and it was in a locker room and everybody said everybody, shut up man that ain't that ain't it that's not true walked out of the locker room I was the only one sitting there and I was sitting back I said all right Q I said tell me more you know what I mean it was one of those things and then it, we just kind of roll from there and, and you know Quentin's still one of my best friends and we talk about this stuff all the time and that hasn't come up in conversation but again nothing will be too crazy to me that I'll think oh no there's there's no way that could happen, so I'm always very open minded to it. It is something that I'll have to I'll have to look into it and get back to you guys about. Um, but you know, there, I think there's always a little bit of there can always be a little bit of truth in in all those were, things.
2: Were you a big fan of unsolved mysteries growing up?
0: that's hilarious I, I, I was terrified of that stuff that stuff was so creeped me out so much i mean even to this day I won't, you know any of those like stories that you you know and and the, and the music that they had involved with
3: it do, 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 do. right all yeah, that yeah. stuff kind of <laughs>
0: you know gives me the gives me the chills even thinking about it um and again i just you know i just kind of went oh it says this is what they say so i'm sure this is fine i'm sure this is how it is but i've really tried to tried to look at it from, from a different perspective. Um, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll say this too. It wasn't only it and and I think, I think Ryan, you've, you've, you know, maybe retweeted or seen some of this stuff on, on Twitter that I put, but just when it comes to, when it comes to new, you know, being in my, being in my, um, being in my field in, in sports and in nutrition as a strength and conditioning coach, you know, there mm-hmm. were so many things that we were told growing up that were good. And pop charts pop charts are great cereals, great. You should eat these before before performance. You should eat six meals a day and you should have all these snacks and you blah blah blah. And all that's a lie. I mean, you know, it's come <laughs> out now that none of that is true. So that was one thing that I thought, okay, hold on a second. If they can, you know, convince everybody that because the money at the time was in grain and the money was in wheat and the money was in and carbohydrates corn. Yep. and corn and sugar. If they can mm-hmm. convince everybody to do to do that, what else can can we be convinced of? Um, so those are the two things, you know, the flat Earth thing I've really looked into a ton. Um, I mean, way too many hours spent looking into that. Um, and and the whole nutrition thing, because, again, you know, it's, it's something it's a conversation that I have every day. So it's <laughs> like those things come up. You know, and that's really what got my gears going. And, and I'm always up, you know, call it call it conspiracy or whatever you want to call it. But I'm always up to hear that. And again, that's why LeVac and guys always crack me up about that kind of stuff. So I'll definitely have to have to look into into that and get you get you yeah. <laughs> get back. Yeah, next, time, it.
3: next time you go on with them, I just I just want to hear I just want to hear that. I just want to hear what you th- – if they if they ask the same question, what you, yeah. if, once you've done the research, what you think of it? Yes. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm intrigued to find out what you think. I'll give you a spoiler. It's not like a okay. – it's not some fast food company saying it's a kios- a new kiosk for, for for ordering for yourself. So it's not that. I just okay. want to get
0: about that. <laughs> okay. Okay. So if I see two different articles, I'll go to the, go to the other yeah. one. Exactly. Not the fast food. Right. Okay. And, and just an
3: perfect FYI, perfect. if you see
2: the ghost of Robert Stack anywhere in your house, run the other way. Just run <laughs> the other Get out of
0: there. Get out. Okay. <laughs>
2: you know, they actually have a channel on uh, Roku TV. It's all Unsolved Mysteries. 24 Is it seven. really? Yeah. Oh, I okay. Yeah. It's on, it's on, you have to have Roku and if you go okay. on there, it's one of the channels. Yeah. So I was watching uh, that one day, and I kind of freaked myself out a little bit.
0: So. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say I love my sleep, but that's also a thing I've been trying to focus on recently. And so any any time I get to thinking about that stuff, I'm I'm worried about losing sleep. So, um, you know, I'm trying to keep my yeah, uh, keep my uh, mind uh, sane as long as possible.
3: I was gonna say I know I know what Colin's doing after he gets home from uh, from his clientele. He's gonna go watch <laughs> the Unsolved Mysteries for yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah i to find
0: that Watch Unsolved Mysteries. <laughs> yeah, for three hours. Yeah, until I keep myself up all night. that's a, that's a good idea.
3: All right, so, Colin, your time, unfortunately, with us is coming to an end. Uh, if anybody wants to reach out on social media about nutrition, football, yeah, conspiracy theories, anything related to those things, where can we find you?
0: Yeah, thanks for asking, right, man. Um, the Real CT at uh, on Instagram. I, I try to re- respond to everybody on there. Um Sometimes I'm not great at getting back, but I will eventually get back. Uh, so that's at the real CT on Instagram and Colin underscore Taylor is a lot of the stuff on Twitter that I put up about the, the fitness and nutrition stuff. Um, you know, and it's the stuff that I feel like everybody needs to, everybody needs to hear, um, you know, especially at a time like now where everybody's, you know, worried about, about, you know, you know, be, being strong, you know, strong physically, strong immune systems, all that kind of stuff. That's where Twitter is kind of where I turn to drop drop knowledge on there. But Instagram and Twitter, um, and again, I mean, I love I, I, I love talking to anybody, and I'll follow up with anybody on that kind of stuff. And I just really appreciate you guys giving, giving me the opportunity. Great catching up with you guys, and, and great seeing you guys. Absolutely.
2: Thanks, Colin. Appreciate it. Absolutely.
3: Thanks, Colin. And thank you for joining us on, on No Credentials Required. Again, we want to thank Col- Colin Taylor from formerly the Albany Empire – albany foot albany uh, arena football uh now a stunt athlete in hollywood and uh <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> and uh and uh, nutrition and and fitness expert you know, anytime you want to drop some knowledge for to get rid of my spare tire you're more than welcome to buddy <laughs> you got it you got it we'll be in touch about that all right so we'll be, we'll be right back you're listening to no credentials required Once again, we want to thank Colin Taylor for joining us as a guest on this week's podcast. Thank you again for listening to this episode, but we have other podcasts available on the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. This includes The Blackout. The Blackout is a podcast dedicated to college football pick'em contests and interviews hosted by Thomas Black and Alan Denton. Listening to The Blackout, you'll find the best college football pick'em tips and interviews with media members nationwide who cover top teams and games on a daily basis. You can also check out plenty of articles to go with podcasts on our main website, which is bellyupsports.com. Thank you again for listening to this week's episode of No Credentials Required. And until next time, we'll see you in the media booth. Intro and outro music is On The Verge by Joseph McDade. Check out his music and support him on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Joseph McDade. Thank you for listening to No Credentials Required, powered by Belly Up Sports and a part of the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. For more articles and podcasts, visit bellyupsports.com.
2: Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here.